Good morning. It's Monday, another great start to the week. Here on Live a Life by Design, I'm your host, Jimmy Williams, coming to you live this morning with your Monday morning moments of motivation. Something that'll get you started on your week to success and reach your full potential in life. Hey, it has been a pleasure these last few months coming to you every Monday with something that's empowering you to give your life the opportunity that is so within you that wants to come out and make you a bigger, better, and bolder you for the world to benefit. Today, we're going to talk about something that I know faced by everyone in our audience. Myself, I face this literally on a daily basis. I'm talking about overcoming adversity. When we work toward any accomplishment in life, there are always those people, maybe those obstacles, those things in life that try to hold us back and keep us in that comfort zone, keep us where we are in the status quo instead of reaching for the golden ring to make us better. We're going to talk today about how some of these forms of adversity can be overcome. Before I do, though, I want to do one simple request that may help us help you. Go to our website, livealifeby.design, and look at some of our opportunities for you to learn from the coaching programs we have, the speaking opportunities, the webinars we provide. Look at that website, see if there's something that might be helpful to you, and we'll gladly reach out and give you some useful tools and tactics, strategies to help you become, as I say, a bigger, better, and bolder you. The other thing I'd like for you to do is go to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you may listen to podcasts. Listen to this podcast. Many, many, many of you have listened, reviewed, rated it. We certainly appreciate it. Subscribe to the podcast. Give yourself the opportunity to have a positive voice on a Monday morning. You know, I'm one of those people I've said in the past, I just don't like to listen to the news of today. Today's news doesn't tell us anything positive in life, but only wants to fill our minds with those things that are negative, condescending. It paints the picture in our mind, which we do realize that day, that we are going to have a horrible day by listening to all the negativity. We want to reverse that for you. We want you to listen to this podcast first thing when you arise in the morning. Give your brain that positive, pure, and powerful message to get you started on a day that you deserve. Let's talk about adversity for just a moment. I've got a special guest that will be on later in the podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk to a gentleman that has overcome the most extreme adversity, and we're going to talk in more detail about that in just a few moments. But first and foremost, let's look at some of the adversity that exists. You know, adversity comes to our life in all forms and facets. You know, two effects of adversity are this. One, it can make you better by overcoming it. Or two, it'll keep you discouraged. The big decision is you are the one that can ultimately decide and realize which of these two answers you wish. So are you going to make your life better and be a better you? Are you going to continue in your discouraged self? I think we're going to choose the former over the latter. I'm going to show you how to get that done in just a few moments. You know, for many years, back in 1954 and prior to that, the human body had never conquered 
the four-minute mile. Four minutes to run a mile, that seemed impossible. Medical doctors said that the human body could not withstand the pressure that it would take to produce a sub-four-minute mile. Many people that stood around athletes that were elite of their day and told them, you'll never be able to run a sub-four-minute mile. You just aren't made as a human to do that. Your brain couldn't withstand it. Your lungs can't produce the oxygen necessary to fire the muscles that are needed to run a sub-four-minute mile. But you see, there was a man that didn't listen to what I call the naysayers. Yeah, you know those people. The ones that are uncomfortable in life because you are taking your life to the next level. You are realizing the dreams that you've had for you and your family. You that are progressing in your career at a much more quick pace than they because you invest in yourself and your time to grow. Well, this gentleman decided he would develop a plan that would help him break the four-minute mile barrier. This gentleman's name was Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister was an athlete of his time. He was also a neurosurgeon. Roger Bannister didn't listen to those around him that said, you cannot. He implanted in his mind for the day and until he reached his goal, an I can attitude. He said to himself, I just have to find a way to make it happen. He didn't sit down and determine what he didn't have to his possession. He sat down and said, what do I have and how can I accomplish this goal? So Roger sat down with four other elite athletes. He then set out a course of a one-mile track, and these athletes were to help pace him for the quarter mile at the pace necessary to be a sub-four-minute mile. So he would have a fresh athlete, if you will, pacing him at every quarter mile. This was his motivation to maintain the proper speed, cadence of his feet, breathing, his mindset and eyes focused only on that ahead of him, not what was behind or beside him. There's a key there, right? So if we are always looking ahead, we can't be dragged down in the mire and the negativity and the consequences of what's behind or yesterday. Yesterday was in the past for Roger Bannister. Today was the day he was going to break the four-minute mile barrier. On May 6, 1954, Roger Bannister became the first man to ever break the four-minute mile barrier. That's right. He didn't get it done in one day, but by training with the appropriate goals aligned with his ultimate goal of breaking that sub-four-minute mile, Roger Bannister became the first man to ever run a sub-four-minute mile. Now, I know what you're thinking, because our listeners are some of the most empowered people they're saying well wait a minute jimmy i know a lot of people that have now run a sub four minute mile you're absolutely right there are some men that saw roger bannister when he passed that record book and had his name listed and they themselves said well if roger bannister can do a four minute or less mile perhaps we can do a 354 mile three minutes and 54 seconds to run a mile now, that's a pretty daunting task just to trim six seconds from a record. 
it has been done. There are other athletes now that have come after Roger Bannister when he had paved the way with greatness with a mindset of I can and now broken even Roger Bannister's record for a sub four minute mile. As I said earlier, don't listen to naysayers. By becoming your potential you and realizing greatness within you, many people may feel uncomfortable or inferior because you changed and they didn't have the same courage. I'm reminded of the certain crab that's caught in the Atlantic Ocean, and this crab is caught all day long by the hundreds, if not thousands. This certain crab will follow into a cage to get some meat. This cage is an open cage at the top. The meat is just sitting down in the bottom of this cage and the first crab to go in gets to start eating on the meat that's at the bottom of the cage. Before too long, his friends see him inside eating all this nice food. They come in the open top of the cage. Keep in mind, there is no trap door at the top. There's nothing to keep them in the cage. They simply get in the cage and start dining. And before you know it, there are literally 10, if not 20 crabs sitting down in the bottom of this cage and just eating away at the bait. The next thing that happens, one of the crab decide that, well, I think I've had enough and I'm going to leave. As the crab starts climbing up the edge of the cage, going toward the mouth of the opening of the, of the trap, his fellow crab will pull him down from the side of the cage. You see, they don't want anyone to be different than they. They followed him in to eat to their peril and doom, and they don't wish for this crab to leave. I'll tell you how bad it gets that should the crab continue to try to climb the walls, the other crab inside this cage, in this trap, will attempt to tear off the claws of the crab, thereby dooming him, obviously, to death, unable to defend himself. You see, people are like this, maybe not so egregiously as the crab, <laughs> But some people are like this. They really don't want you to succeed because they are themselves not succeeding in the manner they wish. You see, Muhammad Ali, the great boxing champion, had some controversy around himself during Vietnam War, for example. He also had controversy during his career. But one thing you had to admire about Muhammad Ali as a heavyweight champion was his ability to set a goal set the action steps necessary to reach the goal, and then to execute flawlessly. Yes, I said flawlessly. Now, it didn't look like it at the time, right? But I assure you, he reached his goal. One of my favorite quotes of Muhammad Ali, I hated every minute of training, but I said, don't quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. Man, those are powerful words. You see, it's just that one extra movement, that one extra step, that one extra thought that might be the pinnacle to take you over the edge to greatness. You see, your brain truly only has one role in life, and that's simply to keep your body alive and functioning. It is a survival mechanism. Many times that you've seen uh, activities that may be uh, imperiling you. For example, if you see a tightrope walker across Niagara Falls and you go to yourself, oh my goodness, I couldn't do that. That's simply your brain going into 
the protection mode of, okay, I've got to make certain I don't make a decision that could cause this body to be harmed and ultimately my brain to quit. So your brain has also the opposite effect. It is a supercomputer of human nature that can perform amazing feats if it's properly trained. For example, there were no such things as electric filament light bulbs that would last any period of time until a certain gentleman named Edison, through many, many failures and never quitting, finally reached a filament that would last. Thomas Edison then became known as the man that, quote, invented the light bulb. And that's not true. Thomas Edison merely invented the filament that would last in a light bulb to a productive state. How about this gentleman, Robert Oppenheimer? Many of you may not know who Dr. Robert Oppenheimer is, but he saved perhaps millions of lives by doing one thing. He built greatness on the back of another great gentleman, Dr. Einstein. Dr. Oppenheimer was the primary developer of the atomic bomb. Yes, this bomb dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima to end the war of all wars at that time, World War II. Japan surrenders after the second bombing, ultimately saving millions of Japanese and Allied lives. And the third person that I want you to think about. This person changed the way we think of time and space quantums. Now, I know this is a deep topic, but think about this from the physics standpoint. Although his body didn't support such a massive thought of brain, his brain, though, overcame a devastating disease that in most people never live very far beyond their 20s. Yes, I'm talking about Stephen Hawking. This gentleman had such an ability to will himself to greatness he overcame tremendous obstacles. So the three steps today that I want to give you of overcoming adversity are this. Simple yet powerful, here they are. Number one, I want you to stop what you're doing. That's right. Find a quiet moment to stop. It's hard to watch the movie when you're in it is a phrase I've used many times. Stop what you're doing. Sit down for a minute and get away from the noise of the world and the negativity of the world and simply just stop and sit still. Then, step two, don't think of your current circumstances. Don't think of your adversity. Think of what your desired end result would be, what you want to see happen. Think of that and place that on your journal or your notepad at the top. This is where I want to be. That's my destination. That's where I want to be as my goal. For Roger Bannister, it said, run a subpar four-minute mile, right? The last is take the next action step. I didn't say he got up and ran the next subpar four-minute mile immediately. He trained for months. He got appropriate people around him to help him achieve his goal. You may need to find someone that helps you. A coach, perhaps. Some of our coaching services, I currently coach many people, and they did not realize that within them was greatness that they were trying to achieve. They just needed someone to help channel that energy in the proper direction. So this week, my challenge for you is this. List one item of adversity that you wish to overcome this week. 
Email your adverse challenge to info at livealifeby.design. And now our interview with Randy Thurman. Folks, I am excited today. Our guest today is a gentleman that has inspired me deeply in my personal and professional life. He's not only one of my best friends, he's a mentor, he's a coach, he's someone that I can depend on when the going gets tough. When I face adversity, I call this gentleman night or day and he can help me through a situation. I want to introduce to you this morning my special guest, Randy Thurman. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Jimmy. It's great to be here. I tell you what, man, I have been looking forward to this. You're a very busy person. You run a thriving business. You're an author of books, many, many titles, including one on running that I find interesting. You care to tell our, our audience a little bit about why you wrote a running book? Well, the, uh, one day I woke up and I was at 205 pounds, which is about 35% body fat for me. And I, I said, you know, I need to probably be doing something, getting out and, and exercising a little bit and moving. So I decided and made a decision to run a marathon that year. So I, I got out and, and made a plan, started running, and, and I found that I, the inspirational quotes really helped me. So I started gathering inspirational quotes, and I put a little put it all together in a little running book called One More Step, and the inspirational quotes, and, and my journey through the marathon. Wow. i got to tell you, folks, I've read this book, and don't want to brag, but I've got an autographed author's copy, uh, so uh, that sits on my library shelf. Very inspirational stuff, Randy. Let me ask Thank you, you Let me ask you a couple of things, though. Uh, when you got up that morning and decided, you know, hey, I'm uh, a little heavier than I choose to be, uh, <laughs> did, did you get up and say, well, you know, that's just how life is, or did you face it in a different way? Well, you, you know, you... There comes a point in your time, I think, in a lot of different areas where you just go, here's a moment where I've got to make a decision. And am I going to go down the same path or am I going to make a, a, a better decision, a better choice? It had been a lot easier if I'd have made that decision earlier, but I didn't. There comes a point where you got to make it. And I just decided to do it, and, and, and I did it, and I had a plan. I worked the plan. I love that. So what I hope our listeners took from that that I heard first thing from you is that I wished I had started earlier. There's a statement. Uh-huh. I, there's a statement I always use, Randy, that you've probably heard me say a hundred times. But I always tell people, on my tombstone, I wish to have the the saying of, "I'm glad I did, not I wish I had." That's that's wonderful. I like that. So let's talk a little bit more about your background for our listeners. So I've listed you as an author. You're an inspiring speaker across. Uh, this state and the stage of the of the world. We we've shared the stage all across the U.S. at times with the uh, places such as Las Vegas and so forth. But tell a little bit more about your background. Where where were you raised? Well, Jimmy, I grew up in Hera, Oklahoma, the big metropolis of Hera. We had a population of about two thousand, I believe, and grew up on a farm. I raised pigs and milk cows. And anyone who tells you that cows give milk. Uh, have never get have never milked cows because you have to work for it. <laughs> and then I went to Oklahoma State University, got an electrical engineering degree, an MBA, and saved up about sixty five hundred dollars working minimum wage jobs over the course of seven years, and went to work for a bank. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. Searching, searching, was asking and praying, and and just didn't get any answers. And and I 
stockbroker called me up and I invested my life savings in two investments with this stockbroker and lost all my life savings with these stock tips that the stockbroker gave me. And I cannot even begin to tell you how painful that was at the time. And, you know, it's funny how life works out, isn't it? It was actually the best thing that could ever, ever happen to me because then I knew what I wanted to do the rest of my life, and that be a financial advisor. And this adversity turned to be the best thing that could have happened. You know, you've just told me two wise areas of adversity that you've overcome through life. And I know just recently, and I don't want to get too personal, as I said, but I know recently you faced another adversity that you met the challenge and exceeded what was necessary to make certain that your father enjoyed the highest quality of life that was possible uh, during his last few years. Do you care to give a few comments about that? Not to get too personal, but want our audience to understand that that things happen in life no matter who we are or what state of life that we are. It doesn't matter if we're ultra-rich or we're very poor. Uh, life has challenges. Wouldn't you agree? Definitely, Jimmy. Life does have challenges. And, you know, my father passed away last year is what I- you know, he's probably the most inspirational person in my life, and, and it was it was tough. But I tell you, the, we went through the last three years of his life. Uh, he was in a in a nursing home and, and, and taking care of him, and I visited with him virtually every evening and, and a lot over the weekends. And, and, and I'd like to tell you, every evening, every day, I, I, I look forward to going to see him. And most days, I certainly did. But there were some days where I, it was tough. You know, I was tired as exhausted. I, I worked uh, all week. And yet, one of the things that helped me through that is every time I felt like that, I said, you know, just today, just today, I'm going to be upbeat and positive, And I'm going to do my best and, and make it a very special evening for him or, or weekend for him. And, and I'll worry about tomorrow tomorrow. But today, I'm going to be on my top of my game. And that just helped me on in those times and, and doing that. So it uh, it's challenging. Life is life is challenging sometimes. That's that's part of the deal. You know, my father always told me he had a very limited education, Randy. He was a sixth grade education, but he learned a PhD in in logistics and transportation through a forty two year career. But he always said that challenges and adversity in life are what adds the color to a black and white page of life. How do you feel about that? Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. That needs to be in a quote right there. Well, I told I told my dad, I said, you know, I'd like for that crayon to be a little brighter some days, but uh, <laughs> that's how it is. Hey, talk to me real quick about what what is your greatest accomplishment? You know, we talked about adversity and what you've overcome, but talk to me about your greatest accomplishment, say, in your career and your life at this point. Hmm. My greatest accomplishment and, and career would probably, well, would be starting, you know, just having a uh, incredibly successful business starting from scratch uh, with all the regulatory systems today and the tax systems and everything that goes on. It's, it's, it's tough to build a business from scratch. And, you know, today we have a, a, a thriving business, 14 employees. And some people say, well, that's not that big, but it's, we think it's pretty wonderful. And, and, um, that would have to be in terms of business, the business side of the equation, career. Uh, you know, on life, it, it, it has to be being a father, right? I, I think you probably agree with that. That's yes. Uh, one of the most rewarding and yet the, <laughs> the most challenging job at, at times, too. I have a wonderful son. He's, he's, uh, we've got Asperger's syndrome, so it's a little bit of a challenge from now and then. But uh, he's uh, he just, just incredible. I'm so proud of him and, and what he's become as a young man and 
and that would have to be my, my I'd say my greatest accomplishment in terms of family or, or life. You know, it's funny how you say life has its challenges and, and talking about some of the things you've faced in your past. We're going to talk in just a little bit about one of the biggest challenges your family faced. Uh, and we're going to talk about that horrific day. But I want to say it this way, that life's, to our listeners, life is like this to me. It's the one that gives you the test first, and then you learn the lesson. So it's totally opposite anything they teach us in school or college, right? That's right. And, and you think about it, adversity and those challenges are probably the, probably the greatest classroom, right? Absolutely. Well, let's do this. Talk, talk to me a little bit about who who is your mentor and, and uh, why are they your mentor? Uh, are, are you asking family or non-family? I'm asking you what inspires you to be the biggest, baddest, boldest Randy there is. Who is that person? Well, uh, I'd have to go back again with my dad. You know, my dad grew up and, and he was poor. Now, what is poor, right? It's all relative. But, but he grew up in a one-room house with a brother and two sisters. And, and his dad died at a very early age. And he sometimes he said, you know, that... That adversity in his life caused him to be a better father, better appreciate. So a lot of things are how you look at things and how you, how you react to things. We don't have complete control over things that happen, but we do have complete control of how we respond. And, and here he lost his dad and he came through it. You know, he, they didn't have running water. They had to pump water. They had an outhouse. Yet uh, he, he grew up and he was very successful as a football coach. And, uh, I don't know. I just admired that. Oh, fantastic. And what, what little I have been around your father, which was very, very little, but but I do get to read a lot. I've seen a lot of his photos with you and your son and on the football field at OSU where you attended your university years. Uh, quite quite an inspiring man. And the story I know of him is is awful and awfully uh, in, inspirational to me. Uh, let's talk about something I alluded to just a moment ago. Something occurred in your life with your family when your son was a very small child that was devastating, not just to your house and your family, but to the entire community of Moore, Oklahoma, and South Oklahoma City. Could you give us a little bit of information on what happened and what day was that? Because I know it's in your memory. That was on May 3rd, 1999, where a little F5 tornado went through our house at 318 miles per hour. And that was certainly a, a challenging event in our life. The only thing left to, after it was over, we went to a bedroom closet. The only thing left when it was over was a three by three piece of carpet and, and rubble. That's uh, we were on top the uh, top the carpet. We we're on the front page of the Sunday Oklahoma newspaper at the time with our story on, on survival, and it was it was just uh, certainly a miracle. Well, describe the feelings. You know, some of our listeners, I'm sure, have never faced that type of adversity, Randy. Give, give me some idea of what are the first human characteristics that you faced when you dug yourself out of this rubble and you look around to see that this beautiful home that your family had worked so hard to achieve is now reduced to a pile of wood and brick and stone just sitting around you. What was your first feelings? Well, it's a little bit uh, surreal, it's I guess it'd be the, the exact. Oh, we were in the bedroom closet in one moment, and the next moment we're outside, and and, and we weren't we weren't buried under anything. But we we were the first ones out in our neighborhood because we had nothing to get out of. Other neighbors were were buried under rubble, and we had to help them out. So it was a 
it's a, just a real weird feeling. And, and, and another thing that was odd is that you just, your brain just kicks in or it kicks in and, and you're not fearful necessarily. You just do what you've got to do to survive and get things done. And, you know, maybe, maybe four hours later, when you look back, you kind of go into a cold sweat, but it's kind of odd how, how the brain works in those situations. You know, you go into survival mode. I talked about that a little bit earlier before you were uh, included in this this episode of the podcast about adversity and what the brain does for survival. You know, your brain really does one thing. It's to keep the body alive, right? That's right. So so let's talk a little bit then about what, what one strategy or tactic do you utilize when you're confronted with an adversarial situation, for example? Well, every... Ed- you think about it, every adversary, adversarial situation, adversity, every failure, every heartache carries with it the seed of an equal or, or greater benefit, and, and, and we can learn from that, and we can, we can use that to, to help others, and because there, there's others that are going through that situation, you know, and, and you can help, help those people. You know, there's a great quote, Jimmy, that, that I often look at from Mel Robbins, who says, you've been assigned this mountain so that you can show others it can be moved. And, and I think that's a lot about adversity in life, that maybe maybe we, we're having this adversity so, so later on we can show others, you can make it, you can get through this. Wow, that, that's a powerful statement. I've read Mel's book, you know, The Five Second Rule. Uh, yeah. An outstanding, outstanding book for our listeners. If they want to get a book that's motivational and yet also calming to the point of how to solve a, an adversarial issue in their own lives, it's called The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. Great book. So, so let me ask you this. You've, you've written some books that I really enjoy, and I've had the honor and privilege of writing the forward to one of those books. But let's talk about this most recent book called More Than a Millionaire. I want to visit with you not so much on the the tactics of what you can do to help through reading this book and implementing those tactics to becoming a millionaire. I want to talk to you and, and inspire our audience a little bit about why you even wrote the book. Well, that's a, that's a great question, and it's not one that I've shared very much at all, actually. But the, the thing about a book is it's going to be there long after I'm, I'm gone from this earth. And it's kind of a legacy, and it was meant to, to help people long after I'm gone to be able to not only be financially independent, but be happier in the process, be happier with life, and having a, having a, a great balance in life. You know, it's not about dying with the most chips, right? Right. And, but, but the flip side of, of, of the question is it, it's not about just hoarding your, you know, your, your, your money and not enjoying it. It's about enjoying life because... You need to enjoy it while you can. So, so it's a balance between the two in the book. It's about that balance. It has a chapter on the traits of the wealthy and happy, you know, and, and that balance. So, so it's really, a, it was a legacy book, Jimmy. Something that'll go far beyond my lifetime. Oh, that's fantastic! I uh, I often kid my wife as as we've added to my uh, library at home, and and I've seen your personal library, and you you are ahead <laughs> of me actually. But uh, my wife one day. Uh, came to me and she said, you do understand that we're about at full capacity on your library. And I said, well, what you've got to understand is my goal. And she said, well, what goal is that, honey? And I said, I only want about half the volumes of President Jefferson. 
she didn't understand that, so I had to clarify a little bit, and I clarified by saying he only had about 70,000 volumes of books right. <laughs> scattered all over. Yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about a couple other things I want to visit with to inspire our audience. So you now run marathons and half marathons, and you you are pretty diligent about what you do on your runs. Tell us about your morning routine, because you turned me on to a book once by a gentleman named Hal Elrod, and I actually changed my life by implementing some of the strategies in this book, and it's just simply titled The Morning Miracle. Give us a little bit about your morning miracles that you perform each morning. I start off with having a, a week schedule, try to have my perfect week, right? And, and then I break that down into each day, what I want to accomplish that day and things. And then I then I break that down even more in, ter- in terms of the morning, what I want to do in the morning. And I have try to work out six days a week. I say try. You know, what, what was that philosopher Yoda that says do or do not? There is no try. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. When you start quoting uh you know, Star Wars, I know we're in a good podcast because that's great stuff. <laughs> yeah. So in the morning, I try to wake up happy. It's, I, I'd like to tell you that that I always do that. I don't. But if I, if I don't wake up happy, then I act happy and, and act inspired and, and work that way. Work, Try to work through it more times than not. It, it helps me. And I sing a little song, you know, if, uh, if you're, you want to sing a song, you'll find a song, right? So and, and then I go out and I, I stretch and I run. And I do that three to four times a week. And then I try to do the leopard body workout three times a week. I go from there. And that, that's, to me, it's part of my perfect week. And it all starts in the morning and, and eating a good breakfast. So, Randy, tell me this. You, am I understanding you correctly that you actually plan, execute, and evaluate your activities for the week? I'm a I'm a weak person. I think I think you should take at least for me, maybe it's not for everyone, but I think you should take your chunks of time in, in weekly chunks. I actually have, have lifetime goals and I've I've got that down to ten year goals and five year goals and one year goals and quarterly goals and 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 monthly goals and then I, I break that down into weekly goals and, and I actually do all that and, and it does help help me be more productive and happier in the end when I look back. But, but weekly is a great chunk of time in terms of me tackling things, I think. So. No, I think that's a great idea. I actually use a, a planner that allows me to focus on my three biggest, uh, if you will, three biggest challenges for the week that I wish to overcome or three biggest goals or weekly big three, it's called, in the planner. I like to sit down and plan that for the week uh, next week, for example, but I like to do something, Randy, that I'm sure you do as well. I feel such an empowerment, and I feel so inspired when I can get those weekly big three done by Wednesday at noon. Now, I know that sounds a little over, over you know, jazzed up, but I'm just saying to you, that's kind of my goal. I'll tackle the hard stuff first. The rest of the week's easy, wouldn't you think? I would think so. I'm curious, what, what planner do you use, Jimmy? I use what's called the Full Focus Planner. It's put out by Michael Hyatt and Company, and it's really transformed the way I do my planning. It has everything I need to coordinate what I used to do totally electronic. And, and I will tell you, I'm very technical. I like to use my technology. But there's something about 
putting the thought down on paper, Randy, that helps me really ingrain in my mind what the goal is, make it more clear, and it gives me a vision or a pathway to achievement. Far better than just putting it on my iPad or phone. What do you do? Well, I mean, for, for years and years and years, I, I just used to spiral notebook and and just wrote down my weekly goals and wrote, wrote those down. And, and on the right-hand side, I'd write my prayer list and, and that way I'd have that. I also have a, a, a goal board that I have on my wall of my office for my annual goals, and, and I'm constantly looking at those, so they're right in front of me. When I accomplish a goal, I just erase it off. I've got uh, basically eight different areas of life, and I've got about 12 goals on that. And I've got my books and tapes that I want to read and listen to. Oh, man, that's fantastic. Now, I've got to ask you to do a little confession time here on our podcast. You know, Live a Life by Design, Randy, is all about honesty to the people that listen to this podcast. Here it goes. Have you ever completed a task and then written it down in your book just so you could highlight it off or you could mark it off as accomplished? You know, I have done that, and and I have uh, written that down. Now, I try to rationalize that because I'll say, well, I'll look back and I want to make sure that I know that I've got this done, right? But, uh, but, uh, it always feels good to cross those things off, doesn't it? Uh, absolutely. So, you know, our brain has a, a, releases a chemical throughout our body called endorphins, right? That's it. That keeps you motivated and going. Like when we get uh, scared or something on a roller coaster, for example, or someone's chasing you that's much bigger than you, and uh, <laughs> you get, get these endorphins going, that keeps the body moving faster. So let me ask you this, Randy, before we wrap up today. Uh, one thing I would like to know is if you could change one thing about your life, what would it be? Wow. Okay. Um, that's a tough question. And You know, to, to say that I'd like to change some things in my life would mean that I want to change who I am today because who I am today is all because of what happened over my, the course of my life. But, but that, to, to try to answer the question, I... I you know, I'd, I'd say that I'd want to try to find humor in things and laugh more would be my, my one thing, you know. And, the, and during the tornado, uh, when we they wouldn't let us back in for a couple of days. And when we came back in, you know, it was all nothing but rubble, right? It was just all nothing but rubble. I come up to the house. There's nothing there. And in the driveway is a cassette tape in pristine condition, pristine condition. Out of hundreds and hundreds of cassette tapes I have, they're all gone except for this one tape in the driveway. And I come up onto it, and I'm like, you know, what is this tape? You know, it's almost like it's meant to be found. And it was how to organize your life and remove your clutter. <laughs> I'm sorry to and laugh, it, but that's pretty humorous, Randy. I know, and you just had to laugh. And, 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 and it, it took that incredibly intense situation, difficult situation, I made it better through laughter, and I, I think the Bible says a merry heart good good like a medicine. It is true, and I, I, I guess looking back, I wish in tough situations I would have laughed more and found the humor in it. That, that uh, I think you know me well enough. I'm not laughing at you, my friend. I'm laughing with <laughs> you in that respect because that is pretty humorous in my opinion. I, I will say this. Uh, one thing that I know about you is, and I've always instilled this in our listeners throughout these months, is that you need to be honest first with yourself. In other words, what you do, Randy, it sounds like, is you're honest with yourself about where you are in life, where you wish to be in life, and it's simply then a task of making those two ends meet. How do, how do you feel about that comment? 
I think that's great, and I think you, you start with the end in mind, right? That's Stephen Covey. Sure. So you, you start with the end in mind and look where you want to be, and you don't want to be like Alice in Wonderland when she comes up on the Cheshire Cat and says, well, is this the way? And he goes, well, where are you going? And she goes, I don't know. And, she, and he goes, well, that's the way. So <laughs> you, you, want, you want to know where you're going and, and or any road that's going to get you there. So, uh, And I think it's important to put it in writing. Put, put your plan in writing. doesn't mean it won't change or alter, but, but it's something about putting it in writing, Jimmy. I, I just think that... that increases the probabilities of success. Oh, certainly agree with that. And I'll be honest with our listeners here again. I've not ever met 100% of all of my goals that I set each year because I set these goals, Randy, that I consider to be real stretch goals, real real life-changing goals. And my best year ever was I met 92% of them. That's pretty good, Jimmy. You know, I have that goal board on my wall, as I think you've seen. I have. And I think my best year ever is eighty five percent. So, so I'm impressed. Well, actually, maybe I just didn't have enough challenges as you do. <laughs> I need to work on that. Hey, now, I, I look at it kind of like a school grade. So you, you got an A on that. I'm, I'm still a B student. Well, I think you're doing wonderful things. Randy, I can't tell you, uh, thank you enough. Thank you for joining us today. Our, our listeners are going to be so inspired as they hear these wise words from you about how you've overcome adversity in life. I want you to understand, too, that I I listen, learn, and gain so much from you that at some point in my life, I hope to contribute back, my friend, at least a piece of that. You're constantly giving back, Jimmy. That's one, one of the many things I appreciate about you. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And one of the challenges I did leave earlier for our listeners is I'd like for each of you this week to list one item of adversity that you're currently experiencing that you wish to overcome. And then I want you to email that adverse challenge to info at design. Let us see what you're doing in the most powerful way this week to be a bigger, better, and bolder you and overcome these adversities. Special thanks this week to our guest, Randy Thurman. And you can get a complete transcript of today's show online at design. If you like the show, please tell your family and friends about it. Also, we would be very appreciative if you would leave a review of the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And this has been a Life Master Key production. The program is copyrighted by Jimmy J. Williams & Company, all rights reserved. Our recording engineer is Happy Design Company. Our production assistant is Amy Cotton. And our wonderful intern is Brinley. Thank you for listening to this episode of Live a Life by Design. Now go out and be a bigger, better, and bolder you. We'll see you next Monday.